JF and C-Pons kicking off your week here with NFL Week 7 Reaction. We will start right there before we get to some World Series talk. Epic series lined up between the Red Sox and Dodgers and an NBA brawl in October. We'll talk suspensions in moments. But we begin, C-Pons. How you doing, partner? JF, all is well, my friend. Uh, a funky, odd Week 7. A lot of parody in the NFL. Uh, excited to touch on NBA and LeBron's debut. Uh, has a lot of people questioning his decision early into the season. And a World Series, hoping that my Dodgers can put up a good fight and not break my heart like they did last year. A lot to talk about. Excited. Let's roll. Hey, it says a lot about the Dodgers. They were well behind first place at one point in the season. Everybody counted them out. Went through tons of injuries again. And yeah, sure, they did spend money. They got Manny Machado. They made some big moves. But at the end of the day, the Los Angeles Dodgers are standing there. That says a lot about them. But let's get to, to week seven here in the National Football League. And here's my opening take on everything. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals elected to, to go with more of the same. They have been a team that's made the postseason, been a team that's been there. They've been a franchise that has had regular season success. But in a sport where turnarounds don't take five years, I mean, the National Football League, the Eagles were in the dumpster. They get Carson Wentz. He gets hurt, and they still win the Super Bowl. They win it with Nick Foles, and yeah, they have a hangover now, but you know what? The Philadelphia Eagles, if it means that they're going to get a, a hangover after winning the Super Bowl, you'll, still, you'll take that Super Bowl eight days a week. I know you will, Philly fans. I know you're upset right now, but you got that championship. You can win the NFC East again easily. The Cincinnati Bengals signed up for more of the same this year, and they're getting it. Marvin Lewis and the Bengals, they could make the playoffs. They could go 9-7. and seven. Who knows? Maybe 10-6. You know, and six. But they're still, at the end of the day, just a good football team. And for me, I just don't get it. I think the people of Cincinnati are in the same boat because they've endured it for a double-digit amount of years and what seems like more than that. Not to put it all on Marvin Lewis, but the Bengals are right back in the same boat. Now they're 4-3, and three, not the story of the league, and it's kind of what we expected, but apparently not what the Bengals front office expected. Ponce, where are you at right now in the National Football League? Well, I'll tell you, JF, Week 7, uh, my takeaway thus far, not necessarily on a team, um, but I'm going to look at the NFC East. You know, he touched about a little bit with the Eagles, but... Just the whole coming into this season, you know, everyone thought the NFC East, they would beat up on one another. But at the end of the day, a new look Giants team has been even more pitiful than they were last year. A Cowboys team who forgets how to play football when they're on the road. Whoa, whoa, come on. Don't down skip Bayless. <laughs> hey, I can't wait to hear him tomorrow. I'll probably still yeah, come on. cheer for the Cowboys even though they lost. Look, the Washington Redskins... A good football team, but at the end of the day, 8-8 eight eight in my eyes still. You know, Alex Smith is a solid quarterback, but still he can't get it done at the next level. That's been proven. Um, but, again, it turns to the Philadelphia Eagles at the end of the day, who I still believe will come out on top of the NFC East. Mm -hmm. But a loss like this, John, and agree to disagree, giving up 21 unanswered to a Carolina Panthers team who, again – right in that limbo, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, you know, have the tools, but when it comes to putting it together in the right times, they fail to do so. 
today may say otherwise, but prior games that has been the case. Um, but a loss like this for the Philadelphia Eagles is one when you're watching the film the next day is one that's going to be in your nightmares. And it's a terrible way for Philly to lose. Um, Eagles now 3-4. and four. Just a bad look, a morale depleter. And you got to find a way to rebound if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. Still a tough stretch coming up, being with the Super Bowl championship schedule. And, John, if you're the Eagles and you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, or anyone in the NFC East for that matter, the, start ringing the the alarm, sound the alarm, because uh, there's a lot of concern for this Philadelphia Eagles. Well, that alarm could get correct. That alarm could get uh, pounded on uh, by Doug Peterson in England because the Eagles are playing the Jaguars next Sunday in England, and maybe that's just what the doctor ordered because the Jacksonville Jaguars look like the ghost of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the bad Jaguars. What on earth? has happened to Jacksonville. They look like a shell of themselves. I, I cannot believe that. They get beat by double digits by the Texans. What do you make of that? And especially to the Texans, a team... Yeah, I don't even uh, like Houston. Yeah, now four and three, who is starting to rebuild their record after a rough start to the season. And it, again, it starts with the quarterback play. You know, people want to say, oh, Blake Bortles... You know, has what it takes. You know, he's a solid quarterback. This defense is going to will the Jaguars. But now my concern for the Jaguars, not necessarily I want to pinpoint it on coaching just yet, John, but now I think it's more not having faith in one another as a team. You know, I've seen, I was watching that defense today, pointing fingers. Mm -hmm. Chemistry is off right now. And when, well, a familiar face for you, Cody Kessler comes in the game and benches your starting quarterback. Uh, I said that in air quotes, and this is a podcast, so you can't see my fingers right now. But that is diminishing if you're Blake Bortles. And I saw his reaction when he got benched. He was livid. Yeah, well, can, can, can he? Yeah, I mean, Blake Bortles can only do so much, and the Jacksonville Jaguars made the wrong decision by saying, oh, yeah, we'll ride him out. If you ever thought Blake Bortles was going to be hoisting a Lombardi trophy, Trent Dilfer happened one time. I always laugh at that whole thing. Well, you know, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl and had a great defense. He didn't have to do it. It happened once. Okay? The yep. Chiefs, as we're doing this podcast, are on the verge of putting up a 50-burger on the Bengals. A freaking 50-burger. I want to hear it about how, how you can win with just a great defense. Okay, it takes points in this league in 2018, and the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't getting them out of Blake Bortles. Go ahead. Say what, John? Too at the same token, like you said, the Bengals signed up for the same thing. Sure. A mediocre quarterback, in my opinion. Well, they start good. Yeah. They okay. okay. So I, I I take that back. He's solid, and he's done statistical wise proves him to be a good quarterback but still that maybe nine win team pushing 10 win makes it to the playoffs does not show up Jacksonville well, Jaguars are going to get the same thing now yeah and they completely no showed in this Sunday night game and to be honest with you I'm not surprised it would have been one thing if they're competing and they end up losing by a couple touchdowns but it's a 35 point game that's worth talking about this uh what about the Chargers and Titans 
Would you Ooh. go for two there if you're Mike Vrabel? I don't mind. Ah. Hey, I say I'm for it. I don't mind the ballsy play because, frankly, the Chargers had that game, and uh, they were they just got more playmaking. Uh, but it ended up being real tight. I, I don't mind that on the Titans. I, I didn't mind Vrabel going for it. It did not pan out. But I'll sit here and say, you know what, Coach? I don't mind you you going after it. No, I'm with you there. You play to win the football game. And especially, uh, again, is an extra point 100 I always knew guaranteed. you were from Edwards' disciple. Okay. I just – well, I'll tell you what – I will add on to that Herm Edwards disciple comment. And what I mean by playing for the win, that's one thing like we've mentioned, right? Two, when you dominated the game, the in my eyes, and if you look at the numbers and time of possession, which the Tennessee Titans dominated. They did. You say to yourself, if we can get this game to overtime, I'm 100% confident that we can win the football game. In the same token, you say, we've been dominating this game. Let's go for two. Let's right. You know. Yeah, but the other thing is there, they obviously didn't think they could win in overtime because they they went for two. Yeah. So yeah. The, the Chargers, Corey, even though they, they, did get, they didn't have control of time of possession, um, they still were just a flat-out better team than to only win by a point. I think that this, I agree. Was another, this was just another episode, a Saturday morning cartoons version of Philip Rivers being stuck in a tight game late because it yeah. seems like that's a weekly occurrence. Yeah, and those are games usually too, which I guess the Chargers image in the past couple of years is these close games, they never won. You know, they've always found a way to lose close games. That's kind of been their mantra a little bit, but – Hey, a win's a win in the NFL Football League. And the Los Angeles Chargers are 5-2. and two, And, John, the only two losses they've suffered on the year are to the Los Angeles Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs. So They're the real deal. They, they, are, are. they are. The Chargers are the real deal. I said before the season that I could see an all-L.A. Super Bowl, and I still think that that could very, very well happen. Um, before we get to a topic I really want to discuss, any other thoughts uh, in terms of games that stand out New England, they fight off the Bears literally at the one-yard line on a wild Hail Mary, 38-31. But, you know, all the September stories came out, the September scaries, if you will, in Foxborough, that Bill Belichick and, and the Patriots, they've got issues. And da, 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 da. Nah, it doesn't mean anything. Here we go again. It's like a broken record. The, the Patriots are right back at it. They're right there. And uh, you can argue that they're the best team in the AFC since they did get the Chiefs. Uh, the Saints, you, you brought it up, Justin Tucker. Holy cow. What's going on with kickers? And and that's the the idea, you know, you look at a game, whether, you know, the Tennessee game or games where... Any Browns game. (laughs) Any Browns game, for that matter. It's not a surefire point anymore. And when you score a game, I guess, tying touchdown, which some may be to believe, Justin Tucker today, folks has made 222 consecutive extra points in a row. Hasn't missed one. And lo and behold, in a game that really would have bolstered not just the Ravens' confidence, but a great one for their record, 
they fall just like that. And Justin Tucker admitted after the game he lost it. And, hey, you have to find a way to get the points on the board that are surefire points. Teams in the NFL can't do that, John. And that, in my opinion, is got to be a headline, almost a summary, if you will, for week seven uh, in its parody as a whole. All right, let's turn to what could be. What could be the first head coaching change of the season in the National Football League. We might not have to wait until what is an annual holiday tradition in Believe Land, Black Monday. Uh, We've actually gone a couple years without it. Might go another year without it because the change might come before then. Daryl Ryder from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland tweeting out on Sunday night, Hearing rumblings this evening, Browns owner Jimmy Haslam and GM John Dorsey are less than pleased with the current state of affairs. And then stay tuned. He then went on to tweet, Red Alert, we're officially on Red Alert, end quote. The Browns lose in just another, you know, only the Browns way. 26-23 on a Chandler Canzaro 59-yard field goal, and get this, Corey, longest field goal made in overtime history in the National Football League. So, of course, that's how the Browns lose. The Bucks are 3-3. Three and three. Uh, Jameis Winston wasn't even that good. That's for a whole nother topic. 2-4-1 uh, and one through six games. Should Hugh Jackson get fired? Uh, seven games, rather. 2-4-1. and one. John, this one's a tough one for me, and we've had countless debates on it, and whether fans and listeners agree with me or disagree with me, and Hugh Jackson, um, and the comments that he made, John, we can touch on um, his post-game presser about his comments and his involvement with the offense. Uh, He's not the one necessarily making the – critical fumble, you know, fumbling the kick return like Peppers did, or excuse me, rather, punt return uh, late in overtime. Uh, You know, taking a bad sack, Mayfield's got to, you know, have a little more awareness in certain situations late in the the fourth quarter. Um, But again, you know, Baker Mayfield, that instance is something, that's a learning experience, something that he can obviously learn from, um, and hopefully doesn't happen down the road. But the Browns have made the place. You know, they picked off Jameis Winston in an opportunity uh, to set themselves up for the game-winning field goal. Takes a sack out of field goal range and up punting. Um, I don't think he needs to get canned yet. Uh, and, again, you could say – you Is it know, the inevitable, though? I believe down the road he will be. And I think that he did throw Haley under the bus in the presser today. And I I have to be 100% honest with that. I I think that was a little low, a little low blow by Jackson. So, I mean, we'll see. But, John, it's – you're a Clevelander, so you have a better sense of where this all is kind of going. But, again – I don't think he should be canned yet. They're they're fighting. Well, they're in the games. They're not getting blown out, so it's tough. Right. It's tough. Well, here's the thing. All right. Here's my take on the Cleveland Browns. The fire getting lit in regards to Hughes' job safety. The real fire. Because, look, we joke every week. 
Hugh Jackson coaching for his job this year. You know, we talk about that. And, but now it's serious. And here's why it's serious. It, the fire didn't get lit because the Browns lost on Sunday in Tampa Bay. Uh, because Clevelanders are used to, to that. The fire got lit because Hugh Jackson elected to throw his coordinator under the bus after the Browns front office and Hugh Jackson, everyone agreed. Hugh Jackson's not calling the plays anymore. He's going to be the head coach. He's going to work it, worry about discipline. He's going to worry about in-game situations. He's going to worry about executing when you're in a three-point game late. I believe he's 1-12-1 in games decided by three points or less in his three seasons at the helm. Hugh Jackson lit his own seat on fire by ripping on his offensive coordinator. And he said he didn't want to create a situation. Guess what, Hugh? You created it. The fact is you're lucky to be employed by the Cleveland Browns at 3-35-1. It's hard to be that bad. It's like failing a class in college. You'd have to just keep not showing up. <laughs> sure, there's some hard classes out there. I know you're a business school student. I was a journalism school student. But if you do your homework <laughs> and you show up, you ain't going to get an F. Hugh Jackson's getting an F. Because here's the thing, Corey. The Browns have playmakers. Okay? And they have a quarterback. Baker Mayfield willed the Browns back in the game. But at the end of the day, and they have a defense too. They do. They have a defense. At the end of the day, that fumble by Jabril Peppers, it's week seven. Jabril Peppers has not been a good returner in his two years in the National Football League. I have not seen him do great things as a returner. Okay? We're now 23 weeks into his career. He hasn't been good. He hasn't been consistent. In fact, he's been terrible. He's a terrible returner. It's on the head coach to decide on who's returning punts. And in a clutch situation, Jabril Peppers blew it. And Jabril Peppers has been returning punts like that and has been a bad punt returner, and we keep running him out there. So there's that. Two, you get the ball at the 45-yard line of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They ran it. They had... Uh, they got no gain there. They did get seven yards on the ensuing play, and then they pass it on a third and three at the 38. This is when Nick Chubb had been having a good day. I mean, Nick Chubb had a good second half. He was finding leverage. You know, of course Mayfield can't take a sack there, but the Browns don't play with conviction, and the Browns have talent. And for me, here's my take. The Browns have talent. The coaching negates it. The Browns don't know how to win, and a head coach who's gone three thirty-five and one isn't going to be the one to teach them how to do it. So in that case, take the bandage off now, because the Cleveland Browns still have meaningful po- football games to play in 2018. You can say the season's a wash, but I can tell you all right now that that's not what this locker room's thinking. They have a defense that plays very hard and is one of the best defenses in the National Football League, and you have a quarterback who I will criticize uh, you know, a little bit here on the front office in that I feel like Baker Mayfield today and last week against the Chargers, he's just looking for someone to throw the ball to because outside of Jarvis Landry, the receiver core has been mediocre at best. At the end of the day, though, the Cleveland Browns need a new leader to give them a new culture because, Corey, you said it to me through text after the game. 
the Browns just don't do the right things in the situation when they need to. And it is on the leader of the team to make sure that they know how to win. Hugh Jackson doesn't know how to win, and we pay him too much damn money for that not to be happening. In 14 close games, the guy's got one win. One win? That's it? He's made it 14 games? That cannot happen. Not in this league. Not when you're making as much money as you make. He needs to get the boot. He needs to get the boot now. Well, hey, the it's red alert. Red alert in Cleveland. So moves are definitely being made and anxious to see, you know, what the next step is. You know, I'm in agreement with you there, John, though. I will say, like you said, Baker has leadership characteristics. Um, but I think in situational, I guess, at points in the game, you know, whether it's time management, um, particular play calling, you know, it, it's not Baker to kind of point fingers at. You have to have a coach that's confident and, you know, has the leadership characteristics. And I'm not saying that Hugh doesn't have leadership characteristics. Well, but, look, he could be a coordinator. He's a good coordinator. He's yeah. got that in him. He's not a head coach. Yes. Uh, and A head and, coach doesn't doesn't throw their coordinator under the bus after the game. That he, was he somehow has a worse record in press conferences than he does in football games. Oh, oh, oh boy. <laughs> no, to and like you said, the red alert is for a reason. And I would not be if John Dorsey heard those comments, whether they were live or, you know, after it, it's, it, it is unique, but, Again, in short, this this week seven has a lot of headlines, um, and we're almost halfway through the NFL season. It's going quick, but a lot more stories. Like Still, the to meat come. of it to come. I thought that the Minnesota Vikings, what they've done the past couple of weeks, they've returned to form. That team is going to contend again in the NFC. Could very well be the best team in the NFC North because the Packers are battered. I mean, we saw it last Monday. They're on a bye. I see they're opening up as a heavy underdog against the Rams uh, because I just don't see how they can stop the Rams and, and how Aaron Rodgers is is Jesus in that he just does everything. <laughs> he's hmm. unbelievable. He's like a miracle worker. But it can't it can't happen forever. The Bears are still young. Um, I, I, I really trust the Vikings. That's my final thought there. I still I really like them. I like their defense. And I think that Kirk Cousins with a great defense as well, that works. I agree, and I think uh, most of the uh, criticism for the Minnesota Vikings early on was that their defense was not championship-level ready to start at all, and they were giving up you know, double-digit scores throughout. Uh, they gave up 27 against uh, a Buffalo Bills team that is, is in disarray, a dumpster fire as we speak and they need uh, whether it's a new head coach, new players, and they need a whole roster re, re, like makeover, John. It's, that's a bad loss, but have bounced back ever since uh, they played the Rams tough, but offensively Adam Thielen, what he's been doing for the Minnesota Vikings is aside from record breaking, fantastic. Uh, not many receivers can do what he's able to do, especially being undrafted, which makes it so special. Uh, Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, uh, and Kirk Cousins, you know, is a leader. And I will say that, you know, he 
I've seen him. I don't know if you have seen John videos of his pregame speeches. Um, they're from the heart. They get his team ready to play football, um, and they put it out on the field every single uh, you know Sunday. You know, especially in New York against a Jets team who isn't all that bad. They're not great, but have been a little bit of they're a surprise growing. this year. Yeah, they're part of the future of the league. I thought it was a reality check game. At least yeah. this year, our pretender. But the Minnesota Vikings showed that they've got experience and that they're a winner yeah. uh, in this league now. And, and they can, can get back. People forget, you know, uh, that this is a, this is a team that, that did go in the NFC Championship game and was just facing a juggernaut in the Eagles that were, were just on an absolute roll. So let's see what happens with the Vikings this year. But let's, let's transition. We've got a couple more minutes left. Brandon Ingram gets four games. Rajon Rondo gets three games. Chris Paul, two-game suspension. Uh, the NBA, according to Adrian Mojanarski, uh, will assign those suspensions. What a wild brawl between the uh, Lakers and Rockets, and for it to come in week one of the season. And, yeah, the Lakers are 0 for thus far. They are 0-2. Where are you at with with the brawl? Who, who's to blame? I mean, Ray John Rondo clearly spit in the face of Chris Paul. Yeah, and Carmelo Anthony had the quote of the night. Whether that's on the basketball court, in the streets, you know, whatever it may be, that's very disrespectful and a very <laughs> low-class move. Uh, whether that's – that can happen. No doubt. Um, but what does it say? And I, I knew this would be an issue for the Lakers to begin. Chemistry. And it's not, I guess, you know, Laker, between Laker, Laker chemistry. Um, I think it's just, you know, winning chemistry and the ability to win. You know, would they be able to, you know, get a, you know, jump on teams, be dominant, have, you know, maybe a 20-point outing and really command from the tip-off to the final of the fourth quarter. And they haven't been able to do that. Um, granted, they've played the Portland Trail Blazers and the Houston Rockets, both teams who made the playoffs last year in the West. Um, and this is going to take a little bit of time, John, but to see those actions in game two. And what concerns me is that though, if that occurs in game two, how do you know that's not going to occur in come playoff time? But I think the Lakers, you know with a guy like Ray John Rondo? I mean, there's... And, he, and we know Rondo and Paul don't get along. Oh, absolutely. Um, and imagine being in LeBron's shoes, one of your best friends on the Rockets, and you always got to support your teammate, huh? Um, but I'll tell you what, it, it's – I don't know – going into – you know, as me being a big LeBron fan, and I hope that this Laker move does work out, John, but me with reality kind of sinking in um, and watching these first two games – I don't know how this is going to work, and I have well, to for a championship. No, but LeBron James didn't go to Los Angeles with the main intent to win a championship, and he could say that he did, but you don't go to the Western Conference uh, to try to dethrone what Golden State's built up and what Houston's built. I'm going to give Houston credit in that regard. They're a flat-out better team than the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers and what the Jazz are building. I mean – I don't even know. I don't know where you would put the Lakers right now. I don't think they're top three in the Western Conference. I don't. 
And I see this roster getting changed, like we've seen before with LeBron James, like we saw him do in Cleveland this past year. It comes with the territory. LeBron James is the best player on earth. But LeBron James, this is what shocks me the most. He has a kingdom in the Eastern Conference that he just decided to leave. And he could have kept on kept that streak going. Apparently that, that doesn't mean all that much to him, and, and neither does winning championships because he's not going to win this year in Los Angeles. And I wonder if LeBron James is okay with not being the A guy on a team down the road in his career. Will he be okay in his twilight days, in his last days in the NBA? Not now, of just of kind of you know taking a different role because that's how he could win a championship. I don't think he's winning a championship in Los Angeles, not with this current team. We'll see what kind of maneuvering they do, but that's the thing. This experiment in year one is not going to produce a title, and for me, that's the standard I hold LeBron James to and say his standard he should be held to. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Um, it's this team. And I love LeBron James. He's the best player on the planet. I give him the edge over Jordan, but I was surprised that he went to LA in the first place. Not mad. I understand it. I respect LeBron, but you're just getting that out there. Yeah. And again, I don't see championship aspirations this year. I'm in agreement with you. Um, what moves will be made? I don't know. Uh, rumors of KD going to join LeBron in the league LA he's- next that's a whole nother headline and for our next for 2019. Um, but focus on this Laker team now, John. Not impressed what I've seen thus far. I know it's early, um, but very unique. You know, leaving that kingdom, like you said, John, I'll tell you what, you know, look how much of an impact LeBron makes. And as cliche as some people might say, the Hawks went to Cleveland and the Hawks, folks, and routed the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron makes that impact and he really does make a team, but the Lakers thus far, he's not making much of an impact right now. His supporting cast got to find a way to get it together. There you have it. Now the Boston Celtics, I don't know who's going to, to beat them in the Eastern conference. We have plenty of time to dissect all the different storylines in the NBA uh, down the road. It is October. Very early. Very early. So early. I think that the Red Sox win the World Series in five, six games. What do you think? Non-biased opinion here, John. Um, just the way the Red Sox have been playing. I say they win um, in six games. Um just an overall better team. The Dodgers have the worst batting average as a team, uh, remaining team in the playoffs. So against Boston, yes. But as a team, they're not hitting superbly. Um, and another thing that I do like about the Dodgers is that their run differential is plus 148 against teams throughout the year. So they have the ability to put up those runs, John. Um, the one thing I always like about you know, World Series is, you know, sometimes we may see, you know, Chris Sale pitching in, a, you know, the fifth inning, um, you know, teams. All kinds of things. All crazy things. Does this feel um, better or worse than last year? Just going in, like when you were going in against Houston and now you're going up against the Red Sox. Where are you at? Like, does this feel like more like the Dodgers could do it as a Dodger follower or less? 
I felt last year that the Dodgers were the favorite to win based off the season and the magic that was happening with the coming from behind wins and kind of the, all the magic that was kind of sprinkling on the fairy tale uh, for the Los Angeles Dodgers. But now I see them as the underdog in which they should be based off the way they have been playing. I think that Clayton Kershaw has very, really has came down to earth the past couple years, which is unfortunate to hear if you're an RLA Dodger fan. Um, but if you're a baseball fan, I think this has all the makings to be one of the best World Series that uh, we're going to see. You know, I think both teams have impact players. Um, you know, pitching staff overall for both teams is solid. Um, love to see how these bullpens are going to perform. Um, but I, I think it has the makings to be an all-time great one. John, what are your thoughts? I want to see how David Price performs because it seems like now he's the key variable for the Red Sox. Yeah, like he's got his game, game of his life to close it out in Houston. Yeah, looks like he's got his mojo back. So does he have his mojo back against the Dodgers? And if I'm correct, the Dodgers have struggled against lefties, correct? Not good. No, they do not like to hit lefties. Well, the Red Sox have two of them in Salem Price. So the Dodgers are going to have to hit one of those guys to win the World Series. They're going to have to hit one of those guys. I think they can hit Rick Porcello. I think they can hit Rick Porcello. I think uh, that this Dodger team is feisty, too. This Dodger team, to me, has more toughness than last year's team. Okay? They're more experienced because they went through last year. Yep. And I just get the sense, like, the crotch chop from Puig, I know a lot of people are like, what the hell is that? That's a sign. That's a sign that the Dodgers, they've got... They just have kind of an it factor about them. I, I think both these teams do, but this could go deeper than what it might look like on paper. Now it's just going to, to come down to if the Dodgers can find the key hitting because we know that the Red Sox can. There could be some real slugfest in this series. You, you might have to outscore. You might have to outscore the Red Sox tonight. The one saving grace is this. The Red Sox bullpen. The earlier you get to them, the better your chances are. That is huge in this series. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Last comment to who I would like to make. I, as much numbers-wise, Craig Kimbrell looks solid, but he has not been himself lately. He gets into situations where the opposition, whether it's the eighth inning, the ninth inning that he does come in, that he puts men on. You know, I saw in the ALDS, and I saw in the ALCS as well in game four where the bases were loaded. Benetetti had to make the catch of his career to save the game in Houston there, which eventually led to Boston Red Sox advancing to the World Series, John. But again, like you said, bullpen is going to be a major factor. All in all, in my opinion, very excited for this World Series. Both MLB teams with vast history. Uh, coming to this one, sure to be a uh, slugfest and an overall great for the MLB. Will Hugh Jackson be the coach of the Cleveland Browns by the next time we podcast? E no. No, I'm changing my mind now. I think he's wow. getting canned by 24 hours. So disregard what he said earlier in the podcast. Yeah, I was thinking about it through for, you know, even all those who are listening. It'll be a surprise. Well, the thing is, like, with all the pressure and all the drama now from the media, it's tough to just, like, overcome that. 
It, it, it really is. It, that that all kind of caves in on you. It that, and even if whether you are Dorsey, you know other members on that board for the Cleveland Browns, it when there has to be that one shining moment where Hugh Jackson can say or show whatever it is, hey, I can lead, let's go. And John, like you said, I believe one in, or excuse me, rather, whatever his record has been since Cleveland Brown, yes, it's not fantastic. But if if it's not broke, you don't fix it. Something's broke. broke. (laughs) Something's been broke. Um, well, and they, they weren't nearly as talented the last two years. They're talented now. And they're not winning these games that they should be winning. Yeah, at agree. least some of them. At least half of them. They, they can't seem to get get it done. They're in a close game every week. They're 2-4-1. John Dorsey's ready to win now. Uh, one shiny moment's good because it's only 15 days until college basketball season is back. I know we'll talk about that. Plenty of time to do it. But, Ponce, uh, that's all I got. Any last words? Mm. I think we touched on everything, my friends. Uh, a week seven, again, for the NFL has been crazy. You know, the NBA very early. So, you know, a little overreaction on my end about them Lakers. I think they can turn it around. I hope they do. I think they will. Uh, um, and World Series, I'm excited. I hope my daughters can pull it out. Um, but another great show in the books. Um, I hope all of those tuning in uh, will love to hear what we have to say. Um, and love going back and forth, your partner. We always, we always come prepared and ready to fire back on one another. I'm hoping your Browns t- kind of stopping in that front stopping office. Your rant. But, nothing stopping your rants. Okay. Uh, good show, partner. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We will be back as the NFL season rolls along and as the World Series goes along, and plenty of time to talk NBA. So thanks for listening. That does it for C Ponce and JF. <laughs>